All information contained in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider your individual circumstances. You should consider the appropriateness of this information with regards to your individual objectives, financial situation and needs. Welcome to Sharing More Than The Sheets, a podcast to help you and your partner make better financial and lifestyle decisions so that you can both focus on the things that you love. I'm your host, Michael Curry, financial planner, green thumb, husband, and just dad. Managing money is never an easy task, especially if you are in a relationship and if you have someone else that's managing money with you or that's affected by the management of money. Today, I want to talk about managing money conflict in a relationship and the best way to approach that, um, things to watch out for, and strategies around making smarter money decisions as a couple to make sure that you're both on the same page and that you're working together as a team. So I thought there's no one better to invite on the show other than Leah Clothier to talk about this topic. Leah, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me. It's um, such a deep topic, isn't it? Like, I mean, it's something we could, you could talk about for hours, but it's and it's never ever clear or straightforward, from what I understand. No, it's not. But it's so prevalent. If we look at the number one cause of relationship breakdown, it's generally around money stress and understandably because we don't often talk about money or we don't feel safe to communicate how we're feeling about it either with our partner or with other people, it can just blow out of control and we we don't actually see how much it can be damaging our relationship unnecessarily. That's And also I I find that when it comes to money, it's even a touchy subject between people. And I've, I've mentioned this before, but you know, everyone has a different relationship with money, but it's, it's, some people just hate talking about it in general. Like they just literally, just the thought of talking about money just creates this anxiety. Absolutely. And that's because money isn't, it's not just logical, it's highly emotional. And because we give money so much power in our lives, i.e. we ask it to create success or happiness for us, or we, we hand over our happiness to how much money we have, for example, it, it gets very complicated. So when we actually talk about money, we're talking about our self-worth and we're talking about how we're feeling about how successful we are or how happy we are. So it triggers us emotionally and that's why a lot of us just don't want to even open that box and and go there because it's just, it's quite a, a scary place for a lot of people. And and I mean, just to jump straight into it, you know, if there's a couple that's listening to this or um, and they're, they're think, they're, they're, they've tried to manage money before, they've, they've had a financial planner, they've had a They've done 50 budgets. Mm-hmm. Um, they've tried everything they possibly can, and it's still not working. What, I mean, where, where should they start, in your opinion? What tips would you give that, that couple? Which, should they go back to the drawing board? Um, what questions should they be asking themselves? And how, how do you think they should approach it? Yeah, great question. And and as you said, it's a, it's a big one because essentially we all have a very complicated relationship with money. And when you're in relationship, it's not only your complicated relationship that you've got to deal with, but it's also your partner's. And it takes it takes a willingness on both parts to look at it openly and honestly and with some level of awareness to say what is and isn't working in our relationship with money. And quite often you'll find that opposites attract. So it's even in our money relationships, you know, we might get a spender and also a saver. 
and that's why there's some conflict. Or we might get someone who is very um, frugal and, and more values-driven with their money, who someone who's more free and liberal with their money. So when we have conflicting values around money, that's often where the conflict stems from. It's the beginning place or the birthplace of the conflict, and that's why we often see people feeling a little bit emotional about money because they're feeling like their values are being triggered um, by their partner. And the, the, the trap that I feel like some couples will fall into, and it probably, it's probably not a trap, it's probably a characteristic of being in a relationship and talking about problems, but that I feel like the blame game starts, <laughs> you know, and it's very easy for for someone to feel like they're being attacked sometimes if, you know, one person says, you do this, you do that. And I feel like any sentence that starts with the word you hmm. doesn't normally lead with, it doesn't normally end with an ideal outcome. Yeah, I would agree with you there. And that's where tools like nonviolent communication can be really handy. And and for those who don't know what it is, um, I would really highly suggest having a look at it separately out of this discussion. There's some great tools and discussion frameworks that you can use um, in in conversations that do create a bit of emotion or tension or a little bit of heat in the in the um, conversation because it's a framework that teaches us to to start with I how am I feeling so rather than putting that blame and pointing it to the other person and saying when you do this it's about I feel this when this happens because it's it's less confrontational when it's about us and we're not blaming straight away yeah and and, and also when it comes to even I feel like in again, just like any relationship issue, there's always it's it's always a team effort in in that mm. if there is an issue, it's normally not just one person as well. Not normally, I find that yes, one person might have a spending issue, like like what you said, but um, even the saver that doesn't like spending, I feel like that person sometimes could probably saving too much and not wanting to. Mm put money into a bills account to not wanting to change how they do things that can always cause an issue. And I don't know if you've come across this, but a lot of people are normally, I find they're set in their own way and they don't want to change things. They, they still want to use the credit card for everything or they, they don't want to set up more than one bank account. Mm-hmm. And and you're right in that sense because what's missing there is any aspect of compromise. And in relationship, compromise is is necessary. It's not about um, going without or or doing things absolutely against your value set, but it is about being flexible to be accountable to your partner and, and accounting to their values as well as your own. So if we come back to the root of what causes conflict in the first place, when our values aren't being met it causes conflict. So let's say I have a value and there's typically three values with money. I mean, we, we have all three of them, but there's typically three and we will generally have one that's higher priority than the other two. So the very first one is security. Money equals security. The second one is money equals freedom. And the last one is money equals power slash status slash success. You can kind of interchange any of those three words. So those three words typically represent our values with money. So where conflict may occur is if you've got someone who highly values freedom with money, money equals freedom, with and partnered with someone who highly values security, for example. So if I, let's say I'm the the one that has the freedom value and my partner has the security value, if I'm out there freely spending money in accordance with my values, feeling good about it, doing it the way that I want to do it, 
I'm actually being, going to be compromising my partner's need for security. It's not intentional because I'm doing what I'm doing in accordance with my values, but just by doing that, my partner is going to be feeling out of alignment with their values and insecure because the freedom is compromising their security. And vice versa, when they're kind of looking after money and hanging onto it tightly and being very secure with it, it compromises my value and my need for freedom. So first of all, just even acknowledging that we have different values with money is a really important step. That's such a good point because when a couple acknowledge, because I love the way you've put that. So it's because when a couple do acknowledge these things, they then know why the other person is doing something in a certain way. You know, they'll, they'll know why why, as I said, the saver is literally saving everything they can and don't want to even spend $100 on a new pair of shoes. Mm. Whereas the other one will have $1,000 in their bank account. I was going to say he or she for a second, but I don't want to I don't want to get into genders here, but uh, you know, a thousand dollars in their bank account, and they want to spend, you know, twice that much on um, an outfit. And that's that's that piece of awareness, knowing that behind every action is a value. We're trying to chase a feeling or a value, and it's often quite subconsciously held. So we're not even conscious that we're doing something. So that person who's putting money away and saving securely for the future is doing so in an unconscious attempt to meet their need for security. And they're not doing it to annoy their partner who's very freedom or rein their partner's, you know, spending habits in at all. They're just doing it to meet that underlying core value, the intrinsic need in them, that is, I need this to feel secure. And vice versa, the other person who's maybe overspending in the other person's eyes, they're not doing it to be spontaneous or frivolous, but they've got a desire, a value set that requires freedom And quite often once we even just acknowledge these and recognize that, yes, my values are important, but not any less important than my partner's because when we're in a partnership, it's equal importance. So no no one should have to compromise their values. So we have to actually recognize how do we create a system that works together? How do we both get on the same page? that actually works together to say, I when we manage our money as a team, we are meeting your requirement for security and my requirement for freedom because they are both equally important. Yes, yes. And it's uh, the, the, I mean, the, the metaphor that I that comes to mind is it's, it's as if there's two people stuck on an island and they have a crate full of food that has to last them a week. And one person likes eating one type of food, one likes eating another type of food, and they need to compromise and work out how this food is going to last as long as possible together. Or what's the best use they can get of this food while catering to both people's needs? You know, Absolutely. one person might hate vegetables, one person probably doesn't like bread, and it's about <laughs> making it work and sharing the resources in a way so that they can still each be comfortable um, but and survive. And But secondly they both get to the ideal outcome that they want to get to, which is lasting on the island for as long as possible yeah, and to not analogy. die of starvation. Yeah, exactly. And beautiful analogy because ultimately we can view money in exactly the same way. We have a joint resource that we are, we've got a pool of resources together called money that if we sit down and, and get on the same page and work out what are our joint priorities as well as our individual priorities and how do we allocate this resource between us to make it meet each of these priorities to make sure that all of our values and needs are met as a team rather than trying to do it 
as individuals and wondering why we're not getting anywhere or wondering why we're having conflict and arguing because we're just not on the same page. And um, and as far as, you know, even the the whole freedom and security side of things, it sort of reminds me of, have you heard of love, lang- love languages before? Yes, yes. So it sort of reminds me of that, how different people have different you know, they, they value different things in relationships. One person, you know, it could be touch one person. It could be, um, buying something. And I feel like it, it just sounds very, very familiar to that. It's different, but it sounds very familiar. It, it is, it is essentially because it's, that's also based on values as well. What do you value? I value physical touch or I value words of affirmation or I value gifts. But the same way money is, is a resource that can channel or bring into our lives more of what we value. So it is very similar. There's a very similar crossover there. And and that's why I think it's beautiful to always take a different lens or a viewpoint to how we look at how we manage money because it's not just numbers on a page. It's not just, you know, a spreadsheet and some numbers and some zeros. Um, it's actually some. It's a resource and it's a, a source of energy, a, a tool that we can use to bring in more of the things we value in life more of our life force energy in a sense so if we start to expand the view of how do we manage this resource as a collective rather than as two individuals um, I think that's one of the first keys uh, of really improving your relationship together as a couple around money these podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a free 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au. The the other thing as well is, I mean, I just thought of this now, just literally as we're talking about, as, as you were just explaining that, but I find as well when, when these values are understood, couples work better together because they have a purpose that they're following. So... You know, it's. I mean, it's like, it's like that classic example of somebody that, and we, we both probably, you, you probably see it all the time as well. But they can't spend. Sorry, they can't manage money if their life depended on it. But as soon as they're saving up for something like a house deposit or a holiday, they they manage to save all this money within a very short period of time, because they have this common goal that they're working towards, and they both agree on that goal. And that goal, in a way, becomes that purpose for that short period of time. And when they do that, they're able to work together. It's, it's like magic, basically. And they become a team. The power of, you know, fueled intention. I agree. And I think lacking a vision or a purpose for your money, um, it's like setting out on a journey without a destination. <laughs> you like start out, you've got your backpack packed, you're, you're ready to go, um, but you don't actually know where you're going. So when you get in the car, um, one of you says turn left, the other says turn right, and you have an argument. <laughs> so it's about sort of having a bit more of a, it doesn't ever have to be in concrete, but it's almost like that guiding North Star to say, well, what's the purpose of us? of this of this tool in our life why are we actually generating money what what are the goals and dreams that we have and how can we leverage off each other and work together to actually make them happen to achieve them because as you said when you have a purpose anything's possible and 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 also i find that if if there if there isn't this purpose around managing money or saving money it becomes boring um it's very easy to get discouraged to sort of not to just get over it to you know and sometimes i find that it's one person that gets over it 
um, more than the other. And one person's still going and working towards this, the savings goal, for example, that they set, but the other person's just a few months later, the energy's gone. There's no more hype um, because it's not tied to a solid goal that that person really values. And again, it goes back to that word values that you said earlier. And um, so, so really, it sounds like if a couple is struggling to be on the same page or if they're struggling to work together, it really goes back to the root, going back to the, the root of the issue, which is what their values are. Um, and hey, you know, do you actually want this? And, and I see this regularly where one person, two people agree that they really want to save up for a house deposit, for example. One person is still committed to that goal, but the second person isn't. And they don't tell the other person, if that makes sense. And <laughs> they don't even admit it to themselves. Um, and sometimes it comes down to me having a discussion with them and them finally admitting to themselves and to their partner that, hey, you know what? I don't really want to buy a house anymore, you know? And that is the reason that they probably have been spending more than usual or they haven't been saving as much or that then has led to arguments and, and other issues as well. Yeah, that's, you know, a very good point. And I think, as you mentioned, when we don't own up to it or or even recognize it in ourselves, um, the self-sabotaging comes in, you know, the overspending or the or the sabotaging, whatever it is that we're doing, where we're, if we're not connected to the goal, and goals change, you know, life changes, our priorities change, our values may change as well um, over time. And if we're not regularly checking in with each other to say, is this still a priority for us? Are we still working towards this? Is this still what we really want? Um, you know, it's inevitable that things may change over time. So conversation, regular conversations to connect in to the why, you know, what's the purpose behind what we're doing? And and I'm a big fan of getting deeper with goals to say, we might have a goal, for example, to pay off our house. Um, but honestly, no one really wants to pay off their house if they didn't have to. <laughs> you know, if we didn't have to pay it off and we could just live in it forever, we wouldn't have it as a top priority for us, which means that there's something beyond paying off our house that is truly what we value, what we're craving. So for some people, again, it might be that word security. For some, it might be a sense of achievement or a sense of um, establishment or a sense of belonging or home or family. Whatever that word is that's behind the goal is actually what we're chasing. And it can be really interesting to talk as a couple to say, okay, so we want to buy a house or we want to pay off our house. And then going a little bit deeper to say, but why? What will that create? What feeling will we get when we do that? Because that's actually what we're chasing. It's not It's not the mechanism to it, if that makes sense. Definitely makes sense. Definitely. Because at the same time, I feel like some people, they'll set, they'll have a few different goals where one is thinking with their brain, which is, yeah, mm -hmm. we want to pay off the house. Uh, we want to buy, you know, we want to set up investments. We want to invest for the future. And then there's the other goals that are connected more with their heart and their emotions, which is, okay, we really want to go on a holiday, um, really want a new car, really want to renovate the house. And this is emotionally and mental, but, you know, I want to have something for our kids when our kids are older, for example. And, mm -hmm. um, and for me, it's about when I talk to them, it's about going through that and sort of dissecting all the goals and sort of doing what you just said, you know, to, to work out why, what that means to them, how it's going to make them feel. But it's, yeah, I love the way that you put it because it's 
it is really important to understand the difference between those goals as well, because sometimes, yeah, you know, they someone might say to you or they might say to themselves that their number one goal is to buy a house, but deep down, that isn't really their number one goal. Yeah. And I'm sure you see that all the time because I, I certainly do. And I think it's, that's that piece around awareness and giving ourselves the opportunity to explore and get curious about some of these things and what they really mean to us and what we really value and uh, what it is that we actually want to do and create and how we want to live our lives. Because once we have clarity about that and we're in, um, you know, we're, we're open with our partners about the direction that we want our lives to go, then the use of money as a resource or as a tool to achieve that is the easy part. That's just the plan and the, the logical piece. So, The conflict, in my sense, often comes from the more emotional side of money, not from the logical side of money. And when we get into the the neuroscience and the neurochemicals of our brain and and how we are wired, our emotional state is a lot quicker. The emotional brain is a lot quicker to react than the logical brain. So when we're in an argument or when we're feeling triggered um, and we, we with something to do with money, we'll often respond emotionally first rather than logically. So that's where the conflict comes from because we're in the heat of the emotion and we say and do things emotionally. Whereas if we can just pause for a little bit and just take a deep breath or you know come back to, okay, what are my values or why am I out of alignment here? And just, just have that pause, we can often respond rather than react in a more logical manner which avoids a lot of conflict. <laughs> and even while we're doing this, so just yeah. to go back to the start, as we get, what were our goals? Why are we even doing this again? What's, what was the purpose? And I love that, you know, I love that you mentioned the word self-sabotaging, how we're, you know, cause th- this, this is what it does. It's, it's like anything when two people plan something together, the second these roadblocks come up, it becomes very, it can become very self-sabotaging where, you know, it damages morale, it damages confidence and, just like any goal, even like losing weight, for example, it's, it's, if you get discouraged, it's very easy to just shut down and be like, nah, forget it. It's not going to happen. Yeah. And noticing that, noticing when we're triggered to that point of shutdown or where we're stepping away or we're sabotaging behaviors are starting to creep in is usually a sign that we're off, we're off track, right? Or something's not quite right because we're starting to react in ways that are more harmful than helpful. And often we kind of just dig our heels in the sand a little bit deeper and just keep with that patterning rather than maybe saying, you know, and it can be very vulnerable to do so, but saying to our partner, look, I'm not sure I really still want to do what we've set out to do. Or, you know, maybe I'm feeling a little bit uncertain. Like we we find it very hard to have those conversations. And also I think to, to summarize a lot of this, I think when it comes to managing money, in my opinion, as a couple, it goes back to relationship, you know, just relationship management 101, which is talking. Communication. Talking, communication, yeah. because it's it's very easy to for, for one person to, as I said, just to forget why they're doing what they're doing or to, to not talk about their goals and just in case their goals have changed and their emotions have changed and their approach has changed and – talking about the right things because uh, as I said it's with money like, like what you said you know so many relationship breakdowns come from money and I think it's because uh, a friend of mine once said to me you know if uh, if you ask the wrong questions you get the wrong answers 
Mm. It's one of those situations where, you know, you could talk for hours and hours, but if you're not talking about the right thing as well, you're just going to go around in circles and it's not going to get you anywhere. Yeah, or if we focus on the blame, which you spoke about before, rather than what's causing the behaviour. So if we get to that, rather than blaming the behaviour, we can get to what's actually happening underneath the surface. Um, you know, open, honest, raw conversation about money is necessary and it, and it can be difficult to do. Um, and if it is difficult to do, you can definitely get someone as a medium, as a, as a third party to help facilitate those conversations. But, you know, I'm a big fan of, of checking in at least monthly and, and sharing the responsibility should always be shared around managing money. It shouldn't just fall on to one person in the relationship to be responsible for it because it is a joint responsibility and it's it's about you both working together and supporting each other as a team. So coming together regularly, both checking in on how things are going, um, checking in on where, where you're heading towards your goals and what your priorities are and whether they've shifted or whether they're the same and, and just connecting in that space around it as any other kind of topic you might talk about. It just happens to be about money. And it's it's one of those things. It's just like if if it doesn't work, readjust, realign. You know, work out what's not working, um, and just try again. But I, I, the other message I just want to—I think anyone listening to this—I want them to know, and I'm, I'm sure you'll you'll confirm this on your side as well. But you know, it's no couple manage money perfectly. No couple ever. You know, there is not the there is no such thing as the perfect couple. There's no such thing as the perfect money relationship between two people. Um, errors, mistakes happen. Um, there's always going to be roadblocks. There's always going to be things that come up. Yeah, they might be smooth for a little bit, but things will always happen. And it's about just understanding that as well and making sure that just like any issue in a couple in a relationship that it's dealt the right way so that it doesn't cause more issues and so that you know a couple can move forward together. And I always talk about this, but and again, literally the whole point of this podcast show was because – as an advisor, I used to see couples, they come together, they used to get married, not used to get married, but I used to see couples that would get married um, or if, or not even get married. They just, they'd start coming together financially and they'd start doing things together financially. And they assume that just because they share the sheets that they'll be able to work together money-wise without even talking about it, you know, and in seeing that's what, as I said, prompted me to even start this whole podcast show because I saw that if a couple work together, they can do amazing work. They, they, they become a team and they, they, they create magic financially. And if, if they don't, then it does literally the complete opposite. Yeah. I, and I, you've said that beautifully and, you know, it's a message that I resonate wholeheartedly with because we can't be in, in partnership or relationship with anyone. And that, that relationship could be couples or business partners or family even if we're not willing to come together and be on the same page, you know, trying to be in a relationship on two different pages of sometimes even different books <laughs> can be really, really difficult. So there's so much power, as you said, in in coming together and working together as a team around money. And it's never going to be simple. It's never going to be smooth sailing all of the time. Um, there is no one approach, as you said. It's It's about being more proactive and managing it as things arise rather than taking a really reactive, disengaged approach to it, in my opinion. No, well said. And, and Leah, if, if anybody wanted to get in contact with you, um, what would you say is the best way for them to do that? Um, definitely to jump onto my website, which is leahclothier.com, 
or finding me on Instagram. Um, I'm often on there sharing some thoughts and, and feelings about managing money in couples, but also as individuals as well. Yeah, no, perfect. And and I like to finish all my episodes off with a dad joke as well. <laughs> um, so I hope you're ready. But um, why are skeletons so calm? I don't know. Why? It's because nothing gets under their skin. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> I think I've said this this one before, actually, but it's um, oh, it's one of my favorites. <laughs> but um, nah, it's uh, thank you. I really appreciate your time, um, Leah. Um, been very insightful. Talk. I love talking about this topic. I could talk about it for hours and hours, to be honest with you. Um, and and again, I encourage anyone listening to this to um, not just listen to it, but share it with their partner or even friends and family. Anyone that might benefit from it. Um, as I said, no relationship, no couple, no no relationship is perfect at managing money. No, no couple is perfect at relation at managing money, and no relationship is perfect when it comes to managing money. So there's always room for improvement. But, but again, thank you so much for your time, Lee. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us on Sharing More Than The Sheets. Please make sure you subscribe to be updated with future episode releases and feel free to share this episode with any friends or family that you think it might benefit. Please visit us at sharingmorethanthesheets.com.au to submit questions or requests for future podcast topics. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au.